0: The Devils will host their fourth annual New Jersey Devils Blood Drive, presented by RWJ Barnabas Health, on Saturday, November 21st at Prudential Center. The event will take place from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m., and those who donate will receive a t-shirt. For more information and to register, visit NewJerseyDevils.com slash blood drive.
1: Hello, oh, Devils fans. It's that time again for our Speak of the Devils podcast. Chris Westcott here, filling in for Matt Laughlin, and I'm joined, uh, as almost always, by Amanda Stein, team reporter for the New Jersey Devils. Amanda, we've got a great show today. Um, you know, there's been a lot of uh, changes to the New Jersey Devils front office this offseason and uh, also behind the bench as well. We know Mark Recchi is going to be joining Alain Nazardine. And now, late October, there were two other hires. We had Chris Taylor and Dave Rogalski coming in as assistant coach and goaltending coach respectively. First off, what were your thoughts uh, on these coaching hires?
2: Well, I mean, to be quite frank, I really didn't know anything about Dave Rogalski until I, you know, I was told that he was being hired and I did a little bit of research and, you know, sort of figured out who he was, you know, by reading things. Um, And one of the main takeaways that I got is that how deeply he cares about the talent that he works with and supporting them in all aspects, you know, even when he's not working with them anymore, Um, which is, you know, really speaks to the type of person he probably is. And we'll get to know him a little, you know, quite a bit more. Um, And, when it came to Chris Taylor, obviously he he was a player in the league for a really long time. He's played a lot of hockey. He's got that very close connection to Lindy Ruff from, from Buffalo. So it really is bringing in a lot of fresh young talent um, in the coaching pool balanced out with, um, you know, some older school guys. And I I think it'll be a really interesting balance um, and collaboration.
1: I think for me, um, first off, again, I didn't know much about Rogalski. Um, but if you are a Devils fan listening to this podcast and you trust in Marty Berdeur, uh, he's familiar with Rogalski from their time at the St. Louis Blues organization. And then on top of that, I mean, obviously, Amanda, you know, like I'm from Rochester, Chris Taylor coached the Rochester Americans. I still have some context there. I follow their media very closely and uh, you and I were both getting flooded on Twitter by Sabres fans that were upset that the Buffalo organization had let him go. And I know universally Chris Taylor is well-respected uh, mm-hmm. and appreciated in that Rochester and Buffalo market by the media as well. Uh, I think he's a young, bright coach. And uh, I've, I've heard a lot about him over the last year, uh, maybe year and a half or so as kind of coming up the ranks. So I think that's an excellent hire. I think both of you and I would agree on that. And uh, I'm looking forward to getting to know both of them better, on a personal level. So let's start with the goaltending coach. Dave, thanks for joining us here on Speak of the Devils. How are you doing today? I'm Doing well. How are you? Good. Excellent. Amanda and I have been looking forward to chatting with you ever since October 23rd. When you were named the new goaltending coach of the Devils, Uh, just take us through that process and what made you ultimately decide to sign on with New Jersey.
3: Um well I I got a call, I believe a couple days after the draft um from uh the GM of St. Louis, Doug Armstrong, and spoke to him for a little bit and was a little surprised, you know, to get an opportunity, but excited for it and then kind of jumped into the week of interviews. Um and then obviously, you know, having Marty and and working with Scott and and Fitzy were something that I was excited about and then having a couple good goalies. So it just kind of seemed uh, you know, once it all came together. It was just, and it was wrapped up. It was just something just hit the, hit the floor running and, and um, just keep moving forward with it.
2: So for people who don't know you beyond, you know, you've been named the goaltending coach before all of this, I mean, take us through how you got involved in the coaching side. I know you've done a little bit of goaltending scouting for St. Louis as well. So how did you come to this point where in your career where you joined an NHL franchise with St. Louis originally?
3: Oh, that that's a long, that'd be a long response. the brief, the uh, exactly,
2: brief, yeah. Oh, wow.
3: wow. Um, you know what? I, I started, uh, started coaching basically when I was 16 and kind of fell in love with it. And then when I was 21, I realized like that, that was my direction uh, mm-hmm. in the hockey world being five foot 10 and um, <laughs> the goaltending was not going to be uh, something <laughs> I was going to be playing for the rest of my life. Uh, but I enjoyed coaching. I enjoyed uh, connecting with with uh, goalies and helping them kind of reach their goals. Um, and then just started a, a training business. Was able to work with some good goalies here in in Minnesota. And then all of a sudden, built into some Division One clients. And then at one point, after it was all said and done, I uh, ended up working in Tri City, the USHL in the North American League, and then kind of overseeing the league called the Upper Midwest Elite League here in Minnesota. Um and I did that for two two and a half years. And I was lucky enough to get on with St. Cloud State for five years and I worked up there and had I had a great staff and a run of three good starting goalies. Um really took on, on the coaching side and helped with my development. Um after go ahead, Amanda, were you gonna say something? No, no,
2: no, go, 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 go for it. Oh, yeah, okay, sorry,
3: sorry. <laughs> so after after five years with St. Cloud oh. and I tried to get in with a couple of teams, um, but I didn't think like with NCAA rules, you could network as much as, as you would like to uh, in my role. So uh, I went to Sioux Falls that year and there I met uh, Rick St. Croix, who uh, was mm-hmm. the development goalie coach for Winnipeg. And they had Mikel Burden, a goalie that's in their system right now. And then we ended up having Jeremy Swayman, who was drafted to uh, Boston that year. And then speaking with Rick and working with him and Mikel's development Realized that that development uh, path was something that I really wanted to pursue even more. Um, After one year of that, you know, I got a call from St. Louis after the draft and uh, just went through the interview process and was lucky to kind of get my foot in the door there.
2: So it seems like after the draft is like your lucky time in your career, right? Like after the draft in St. Louis and then after the draft here in New Jersey.
3: (laughs) Yeah. And both of them kind of caught me off guard. You know, so, and I remember talking to a a former NHL goalie coach who knew I was trying to get in for a long time um, and trying different ways to kind of present myself and and get my foot in the door. And and he just said, I'm telling you, I promise you, like you'll get your chance, but it's, it's more so when it comes to you and, you know, Mm -hmm. luckily both of them, it kind of, it worked out that way, you know, and it wasn't like St. Louis sought me out, but it was more like there was a connection there and got an opportunity to interview and was lucky enough to get, you know, to get my foot in the door, like I said, with them and and work with a great staff over there. So when you You finally, um,
2: oh, sorry, go ahead, Chris.
1: No, go ahead. You're gonna, I'll I'll (laughs) ask one after you.
2: (laughs) So, so, you know, when you finally have those phone calls with New Jersey, and you decide this is where I'm going to go, this is what I want to do. What was that maybe moment like when you realized you had made this decision to join this team and that a real dream has been accomplished.
3: Yeah. That's uh, I, like, again, I'll keep it short, but it was, it took about 48 hours to really sink in. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, especially with, with my wife and I, like, I, I put her through a lot in the last, <laughs> you know, 12 years and then being together for about 15. So like she, she was bringing up some old memories. I remember in Tri-City and I've said the story a couple of times, like I used to, leave here at midnight, you know, get to Tri-City, Nebraska at 8.30 in the morning and then jump on the ice for practice for three days and then head home and, and then start the training and then during the weekend do Elite League. And that's where it kind of really took off on the side of maybe having a chance to do this. So we reflected on those things and in, in the hard work. Um, but I, I would say, you know, I, I'm going to get lost here a little bit, but it, it, it sank in a little bit when, when everyone in the organization reached out too. Um, that was the one thing that was really special is, you know, the amount of phone calls, uh, you know, from, from the assistant coaches from, from Lindy and, you know, from obviously known Clemmer and and Marty. Um, but even people that work in, on the operation side, you know, uh, very welcoming, you know, and then just kind of, it just all settled in and, and got going. But that's, that's when you realize like this, this is happening, you know, all the hard work's paid off.
1: Dave, you talked about Marty. You mentioned his name there among the people that you have familiarity with. Can you go a little bit in more depth? Because anyone who's ever been involved with goaltending since Marty came into the NHL knows Marty Perder, but you have a relationship with him from the Blues. Just talk about him
3: and him being involved in the process a little bit more. Um, On on the New Jersey side or in the St. Louis side? Yeah,
1: both, both. Your relationship with him and then him helping bring you here to
3: Jersey. Well, I, you know, I mean, I remember when I first interviewed him, you, you get a call, um, in St. Louis and, and, you know, you get a call from Marty Berdura, it kind of catches you off <laughs> guard a little bit that that's who I'm going to be talking to. And obviously I look up to him and, uh, respect him so much as, as a goalie, but also as a, as a guy. Um, and then, you know, you build that relationship with him, you know, and he helped me a lot. In my first year in St. Louis, you know, having ideas to bounce off of him, listening to him, and, his thoughts on, on the coaching side versus development side, and just kind of helping me uh, develop as a coach really. And, um, that was, that was, uh, that that was a great experience for me, you know, and, and luckily, you know, to be able to maintain that relationship with them and, you know, get a call, you know, two weeks ago or three weeks ago from saying that there's an opportunity, um, you know, for you to interview, you know, I spoke with Doug and it got going and, and what do you think? And I said, yeah, obviously, you know, I'd like to hear where this goes and, and see what happens. And so that, that piece and knowing that Marty's here, uh, means a lot, you know, you, you, if you get a chance to work with them, you know, and obviously you guys do, um, then you, you know, that the relationship there is, he's just a great man to work with. And I still got a lot to learn from him. So I'm excited for that.
2: So when you join the team, well, now that you're part of the team, obviously a new goaltender comes in and Corey Crawford, and then there's Mackenzie Blackwood, who's carried a lot of the load the last two years. So what do you know about these two goaltenders that excites you the most of getting to work with them, particularly when you're assessing the fact that one's, you know, very young and one's like a real veteran in this league?
3: Well, you know, obviously, you know, Crow's got a, a lot of experience, you know, and that's, that's something that uh, I can watch him and see how he works and mm-hmm. understand what he likes to do, you know, and then Mackenzie is obviously, you know, a young goalie that works incredibly hard and is committed to his craft. So there's definitely going to be two different uh, things that I'm going to learn from how they approach it. Mm-hmm. But the first and foremost thing for me is just kind of building a relationship with those guys and getting to know them. What they like, what makes them tick, and and what do they need from me, and kind of how can I help them through this process of this year? Um, it's just kind of, it's just first and foremost, just kind of get to know them, and then you know, as that goes and as that relationship builds, then more information kind of will come as it as it goes.
2: Have you reached? A, have this. you been able to speak to either one of them?
3: Yet? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, two great guys. You know, enjoyed my conversations with them spoken you know every week so far and then just kind of just yeah just trying to build that relationship and so when we get going and hopefully the season starts here soon um, we can kind of hit the ground running
1: How important is that relationship? Just asking you to kind of double back and talk about that for goaltending coaches versus maybe assistant coaches, because your room is so small. You just have the two guys and your hands on every single day in practice You're shooting pucks on them. And you have to have trust too. trust is a big thing, right? Because you're telling them things about their games and tweaks that you want them to make. And you're watching film with them and they have to have a trust in you. How important is that personal relationship for a goaltending coach? It seems like it bumps up a notch in importance.
3: I, I do think it's important um, but I don't think it's like absolutely like necessary as long as there's a level of, of respect there you know like you don't have to be best friends but as, as long as there's a level of respect but the trust piece and working together is the, the key for, for me um, it's obviously I'm not going to be telling Corey Crawford how to do things but working with him and understanding and w- understanding his game and, and working with him and that's the key and same with Blackie it's just getting to know him and his game and working with his game. It's not changing anything. It's just helping him through the process of the season. So I I think that alone builds that trust.
2: And I imagine too, you know, it it works both ways, right? It's them trusting you, you trusting them and just developing that relationship. So it'll be very, you know, it's exciting to have all these pieces in place because it's been a long time since uh, these guys have been on the ice in a competitive way as a goaltending coach, as someone who, you know, is around that position, has played that position, what do you think that's going to be like for a goaltender to come back after all these months?
3: Well, you know, Corey got to play this summer, so that's that's yeah. good for him, and Mackenzie's a worker, so, I, I, and so I'm not, you know, that piece hasn't really concerned me whatsoever, so I think you just start from when you get in the season, just start with some basic stuff, you know, start mm-hmm. touching the puck, start working on some simple movement and then just build off of that, build off their strengths and that will help them kind of get comfortable rolling into the season.
2: So you talked a little bit about your wife earlier and I, I just want to get to know you as a person. Do you have, a, do you have children? Do you have a, like, what is your family like?
3: Yeah, we, we got two boys, nine and seven. Uh, they're, they're a little crazy, but they, they enjoy <laughs> each other's company. And then, uh, my wife's working at home right now during this deal. So mm-hmm. I've got to be able to spend a lot of time with her in the last seven, eight months. Um, and you know, we, got a dog and, and we just enjoy <laughs> hanging out, you know, it, we're, we're a close knit family. Family's important. So it, it's been enjoyable to spend some time with the kids. What, what kind
1: of dog name? and what's the name? Uh, <laughs> exactly. I gotta, well, no, I got to uh, ask it, Amanda.
3: <laughs> well, uh, we're, we, we're a chocolate lab family. They're begging me for another one. And so we got Coco, this. The boys named her um, and they're still pushing to get another one. They want two. And then if once we get two, I know they're going to want three. So we'll, we'll just try (laughs) to keep them at bay at one for now.
2: So for you, what's your plan kind of going forward in terms of coming to New Jersey? Um, And what do you, what are you excited for in terms of, you know, living in a new place?
3: Yeah. Well, you know, I, I've done a lot of traveling with St. Louis, so it's always been fun to, um, you know, see different areas and, and kind of in travel and in that sense, but I'm excited to meet the staff, you know, and I'm, I'm excited to meet the people that work with in the organization and, you know, looking forward to working with the players. Um, so those are the things that are just immediately, you know, kind of get me going and, and looking forward to moving out there. Um, on that timetable you know, sooner than later, basically, it just kind of preparing and getting ready getting the house situa- situated and then head out there.
1: All right. Thanks, Dave. We appreciate you taking the time with talking with us on speak of the devils. And uh, we're excited to meet you in person whenever we're allowed to do that again
3: at the (laughs) ring. No, I, I, I am too. And, and I appreciate your guys' time today and enjoy your weekend.
1: Well, Amanda, that was really insightful. Well, I really appreciate the time to chat with these guys. What were your thoughts?
2: Well, I think for me, it's, you know, We're lucky and we don't take for granted, Chris, that, you know, we travel with the team, we're at every practice, we see these guys every day. So, you know, assistant coaches, goaltending coaches are familiar to us. We know who they are, we know how they work that's not necessarily something that fans on the outside get to see because you really don't hear from assistant coaches around the league really ever, to be honest. I mean, you have the head coaches, you know, the one who stands up in front of the media and uh, addresses everyone. So what I appreciate about this podcast is this is an opportunity for people to get to know who these coaches are um, you know, behind the scenes, but also their coaching philosophies and how they work. Cause it's really not something that, you know, you, you get to experience, you know, when seasons start.
1: Yeah. You know, listening to Rogalski, one of the things that stuck out to me, I laughed a little bit was when he was like, look, I'm not going to tell Corey Crawford how to play goaltender. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. I mean, of course you're not uh Stanley cup winning, you know, championship netminder, but he also kind of said something similar about Mackenzie Blackwood in terms of like his philosophy is not to come in and fix what ain't broken. I mean, he's coming in to kind of just develop the skills that they already have and kind of nurture their game and what makes them successful goaltenders. So I really like that as well.
2: Yeah. Again, like I said at the opening of the podcast um, there's a really interesting mix of talent of all ages coming in coaching and I think that also reflects what the current Devils roster is. You know, there's a lot of young, new guys, but there's also the Travis A. Jacks and the Kyle Palmieri's and the P.K. Subans who have been in the league for a really long time. So it's just, you just like want to see it in action, right? Like everyone's so desperate to get our game back and be on the ice. So this is just like a little glimpse into who these people are before um, – you know, we can see them out on the ice, which I hope is sooner rather than later.
1: And it's only going to benefit Lindy Ruff too, to have different yeah. types of voices on the bench and in the, in the coach's room, uh, you know, giving him information and uh, it's going to be good. Now a, a coach that's very familiar with Lindy Ruff is our next guest. So let's go to the new assistant coach of the New Jersey
0: Devils. Chris, thanks for joining us today. Well, thanks for having me. It's a uh, great, uh, I'm very excited about joining the uh, New Jersey Devils organization.
1: I can tell big smile on your face and you're wearing that New Jersey Devils logo on your sweater too. Uh, Just talk about about why you're excited to join New Jersey and and reunite with Lindy Ruff as well. I I mean, I'm assuming it's a very exciting time for you.
0: Well, it definitely is. Um, You know, just with New Jersey, obviously they got a lot of um, great pieces um, going forward here and uh, very excited about that and working with people that you know, you can definitely trust and, um, and I, I know a lot of them and, uh, especially with, uh, Lindy, um, he coached me as part of the American, Rochester, American staff when he was the head coach in Buffalo, uh, during the lockout. So, you know, we've had a lot of interactions throughout the years and, um, I've also worked with uh, Mark Reckie in Pittsburgh for a year when he was player development and I was assistant coach in wilkesbury So, and I just heard nothing but great stuff from, uh, from, uh, Elaine. Um, so it, it's, it's going to be great. And, and I just met, uh, a lot of different people in the organization. So it, I'm very, I'm just very excited.
2: Is it even more special to reunite with all these people and to be on the coaching staff full-time with these particular people?
0: Well, absolutely. I have so much respect for all of them. Um, what they've done, where they've been, the time that they've put into, wherever they've coached or even played. And, um, you know, I can't, I, you know, just for me, the exciting part is is throwing out some of my ideas, but also learning a lot from these guys. Like, it, it's going to be great for me.
2: What was Lindy like as a coach to you as a player?
0: To me as a player, um, he just commands a room. Uh, he gets respect from every player. Um, when he talks, he, just, it, he almost lifts you out of your seat that you want to get out in the ice right away. And his enthusiasm about the game, his knowledge about the game, um, how he communicates with each and every individual, because everybody you have mm-hmm. to you have to communicate differently with each and every individual, and he knows how to get the most
3: of.
2: You've spent you know time in the AHL coaching at the assistant and as well as the head coaching uh, position, and then you talked about working with young players in New Jersey what do you think that difference will be like, you know, uh, from that development standpoint at an AHL level to working with a young core who are really the future of this franchise?
0: Well, yeah, I don't think it's, there's much difference in that. Um, I believe that when you're in the NHL, you're still developing. And that's the biggest part. Some people believe that once you make the NHL, it's, you know, okay, we're just playing now. You don't have to keep developing. I think you, you can always keep developing your skill and, um, you know, I'm going to try and help out all these young players, just like I did in, when I was a head coach here in Rochester. Um, you know, it's uh, it's continuing every day. Um, you got to be persistent with each and in, each and every individual, but you also have to be patient with them too. And um, just going over a lot of different things tactically and you know emotionally, you got to you got to build that bond between the player and the coach.
1: For you, uh, being in Rochester, it's it's long regarded as one of the top uh, franchises in the American hockey league. I'm just wondering um, specifically some of the tools that they may have given you to help prepare you for an opportunity to go to the NHL full-time.
0: Well, I was lucky enough to come in as a head coach under Jason Bottero, Randy Saxon, Steve Greeley. You know, those guys gave us everything that we could possibly have to help these guys. But again, it's all about bringing your staff together, coming in every day, and putting the work in and, and acknowledging these guys just aren't hockey players or humans too. And um, we really tried to build a family base around here um, to help them be comfortable coming to the rink, that they want to come to the rink every day. And when you have that right off the bat, you're, you're one step ahead. And we tried to focus on just, you know, the culture in the room, changing the dynamic of it, um, you know, wanting them to come to the rink every day, enjoying it. And I think that's what we did. And, um, you know, continually, that's what you need to do with every, with your, with your hockey team.
1: While we're still talking about Rochester, I'm from Rochester originally, by the way. So I I have a very random question for you pertaining to the city. What are your thoughts on garbage (laughs)
0: plates? (laughs) I don't eat garbage plates that much. Actually. My (laughs) first one was a couple of years ago. Uh, my daughter enjoys them. Um, but there's so many great restaurants here. And, um, you know, the hot dogs, the Zwaygo hot dogs, as well, as you know, they're in, oh, yeah. mainly in the garbage plate. Um, no, it's just a, it's a, it's a really good community and uh, close-knit. and You know, a lot of the players that have actually played here that aren't from Rochester end up staying here just because of the Finger Lakes and how beautiful it is. You know, one well, more
1: thing
2: about. I have no Rochester. idea There's what a-, a garbage plate is. By the oh, way, uh, <laughs> I have like, no gonna, idea what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> when when Chris
1: when Chris is off the call, I'll explain to you what a garbage yeah. plate is. Okay. But I did I did, yeah. did want to add one more food thing. Um, a big foodie, Dinosaur Barbecue, yes. right across the street from Prudential Center. Really, there is one. Oh yeah. <laughs> yep. So I, I'm just, I'm assuming you're going to wow. be having lunch there quite a bit.
0: <laughs> yes, I definitely will. What a great place that is, and. um you know, I know everybody loves it here in Rochester. All the coaches and uh, other teams come in. That's the first thing that they order when they, uh, after the games and stuff. So they love Dinosaur. We love Dinosaur. It's, uh, it's a staple here in Rochester.
1: That's all I've ever heard from uh, Rochester coaches. So yeah. Okay, go ahead. Go
0: on,
2: Amanda. <laughs> I was like, okay, back to hockey. Um, yeah. <laughs> it was interesting when you talked about your time in Rochester about like the family culture. You know, these are all words that we hear from Tom Fitzgerald, Dan McKinnon, anyone who's involved with the team at the management level in terms of Who they want to bring in, not just for their staff, but also for their players in terms of embracing that type of culture, which isn't necessarily for everyone or willing to accept those types of things. So was that part of your conversations leading up to you taking the job and when you go through that process, that like vetting process, I guess?
0: Yeah, well, absolutely. I've heard a lot about Tom. Obviously, uh, he was in Pittsburgh and Wilkes-Barre. So obviously my bosses were there as well when I was here in Buffalo and Rochester. So, you know, they spoke highly of how he wanted to try and create that culture, um, implement it, not just create it, but implement it. There's a big difference. You know, everybody says they want it, but how do you implement it? And you can just tell right off the bat, as soon as I did get hired, um, it just the pouring of people reaching out, um, welcome to the family. Well, you know, everybody in the whole organization, it wasn't just Tom, um, it, it wasn't just Linda, it, it was everybody in the whole organization and that's what they're, that's what they're all about. And that's, you have to trust people and what they're going to do and what they're going to say. And I, and I trust and, and I've lived it now for a couple of weeks here of what it's all about. And, uh, just even reaching out to the players, um, I've reached out to the majority of them and they've nothing but, uh, great conversations and comment and, you know, just introducing myself and it has been really, it's been really wonderful experience so far.
2: Was it Lindy who reached out to you at first in terms of gauging your interest for the position?
0: Well, to be honest, I I reached out to him. Um, Okay, great. Yeah, and uh, I first just congratulated him on his job, obviously, and then it went steps further than that, and we just started communicating, and, um, you know, we had some good talks, and then I talked to Tom as well, and um, I also talked to Mark Recchi as well, so it was a lot of good talks, and, you know, they did a thorough process, and, you know, I, again, I'm I, I'm so excited. You have no idea how excited <laughs> I am to be part of this uh, part of this organization and and just good people around it.
2: I love that though because I think you know obviously Chris and I are in a different you know department, but we feel that too at every single level, and there's that respect between everyone. So you're definitely coming to the right place if you want that. Yeah. So I'm wondering, you know, you talked about who Lindy was to you as a coach what he did to a locker room what is your coaching philosophy what you know yeah what is your coaching philosophy in terms of on the ice but also connecting with players well it's just talking
0: to him every day um I -hmm. think the biggest thing with Lindy you try and take a lot of different things out of your when you played played professionally you try and take a lot of different things out of coaches I took three quarters out of everything that Lindy did and um just how he came in every day. He he just didn't talk hockey. He asked about family. Um, for me personally, he was unbelievable. I have a special needs child. And uh, at that time, I think Nick was probably five, four or five years old. And he really helped me out with a lot of different things with that. So it was just a just daily communication how much he cared about you as a person and your family and then that took over into the locker room and and that's what I wanted to create here in Rochester as a coach and you know get on that personal side with these players because they they have other things that they they have yep. they're thinking about it's not just hockey Like if you can get if you can help them out with other things outside of hockey and understand where they're coming from what type of you know, do they have kids? Are they staying up at night? How do you help them out? How do you, how can you, you know, you have empathy for what's going on in their lives. And that translates into a better production, um, getting whatever they, you can out of them the next day and, um, you know, working with them uh, on a daily basis. It's not, it's not going to take one day. It's not going to take one week. It's not going to take two weeks. It takes, it takes a while. And uh, to gain their trust and, and to understand that they know that you care about them as much as they care about their, their game.
1: Well, Amanda, we keep hearing these common themes with these uh, new coaches coming on board, and and that's really good to hear. And, and obviously, people that have an experience with Lindy Ruff, they like him. He's very personable, and as you just yeah. discussed there, I mean, just kind of grows your level of respect for him. I do have an X's and O's type question for you here. Yep. Yeah. Lindy. One of the other reoccurring themes is how he kind of builds his teams around the talent that he has. I mean, he's, yep. he's, not, he's not adherent to one philosophy. He's had defensively stringent teams when he's had great goaltending. He's had offensively high-powered teams when he's had the young guns and weapons that can run that kind of system. For you, that kind of versatility in a head coach and that willingness to be malleable, how important is that, especially in today's game when you have a veteran coach that's been around a long time? He's continuing yeah. to evolve.
0: Well, he always evolves, and that's what I like about him. And he's willing to hear outside voices. It's just not his. It's not what he thinks. Um, he, he loves, you know, interacting with the coaches. We've already had a couple of meetings, and he's asking for ideas, and um, he's open to everything. Um, you won't be criticized if you don't agree. Or, um, you know, that's what I like about him. And he's always evolving. And if you look at his track record, even with Buffalo, um, he got the most out of every player. Dallas, and and then he goes to um, obviously New York as assistant coach, and you know he just keeps evolving, and that's what I love about him. He's just always thinking outside the box, wondering what we can do. Would this work? Does it work? Um, what did you guys do? We always asking questions, and then he puts a plan together with his roster and what he thinks, and um, he's always done a great job. You can you can always see his. His percentage in the NHL is his records are they're unbelievable. And um, like I said, he gets the most out of everybody, not just the players, but his staff too. His, yeah. All the staff love him, and that speaks volumes of uh, of a head coach. Um, I know a lot of head coaches that you know they don't even know the equipment guy's name, and Lindy knows everybody, treats everybody with a lot of respect.
2: When your playing career was over. Was coaching always on your radar? Is that something you had always thought about?
0: Absolutely. Um, you know, I, I was lucky and fortunate enough to play until I was 39. And um, yeah. so, you know, when you hit that 33, 34, you're kind of <laughs> wondering, well, you know, would you like to do this? And I definitely, you know, I took a lot of notes and, you know, tried to help out the young players at that time because I was in the minors and you're, you're trying to help out these guys. And it was gratifying. Um, to see these guys get where they want to go. And it just doesn't mean the NHL are just successful in life. And um, so that's what I took away from when I played, and that's why I wanted to be a coach, just how gratifying it was to see these young players live their dream and get to play in the NHL or go somewhere else or be a coach themselves. And uh, it just its very gratifying.
1: I'm going to ask one last one, and then we can wrap it up because uh, we don't want to take up too much of your time. But uh, I, I'm just – I'm just curious, personally, some of these young players, uh, have you had an opportunity to look at a Nico Heischer, a Jack Hughes? Obviously, it's always good to build up the middle uh, and have uh, you know some key cogs at center. But I'm wondering, some of these young players on the roster, has anyone stuck out to you? Who are you most excited to, to really coach?
0: They're all dynamic. Um, they all have their special qualities. I've bought them. I've watched some video on all of them. Um, obviously, I just want to come in there and get to know these players a little bit better. You can watch them on video and and you watch them in games. Um, When I was in Buffalo for the first two months, assistant coach, you know, we played against you guys. Um, So you're always watching and trying to help them um, with their game. But personally, I want to get in there and talk to them first, um, you know, before trying to do something different to their game or help them with their game or, or whatever. And that's, again, that's building relationships with these guys, but I'm excited about every player. Um, you know, I think it's just um, the way Tom's put this, uh, put this roster together. Uh, I'm very excited about it.
2: So what do you like to do when you're not thinking about hockey? What's, you know, what, do you have other passions or, cause I know it's very all encompassing, but surely yeah. there are other things you got going on.
0: I do. I, I'm, you know, I love being around my family. We have two dogs. Um, again, I have two kids. Um, I love uh, taking care of my lawn, all the stuff outside. <laughs> I'm. Uh, I love fixing things. I don't like calling anybody to fix things, so I'll Google everything and try and fix it myself. My wife's always like, "Oh my gosh, like the <laughs> The dryers apart. What do we do? How are we going to get this? I think we need a new dryer. And I'm like, "Oh, we'll figure it out." And so I like doing tinkering around the house and doing different things here.
1: You know, we always have to ask. You know, what kind of dogs? What are their names? Because we have a tradition on the podcast.
0: One's a boy, Diesel, and the other one's a girl, Marley. And the girl is just crazy. She's always (laughs) always bugging the boys. All right. And how how old are your kids, Mike? Nick is 24 and my daughter's 22. My daughter just graduated university. So she's back in Rochester. She went to Brock university in Canada. Yep. Um, so it wasn't too far. And, um, so she wants to do, she's in the medical field. So she wants to be a nurse. So she's got one more year left to do that. So she's going to do that. And my son, like I said, he's he's special needs. He's 24. He Mm -hmm. lives with us. We built him his own place in our house and, um, he's got his own apartment downstairs and we got some staff that work with him in his own entrance. So
1: he's doing that's great. Awesome.
2: That's, yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome.
1: That's great. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with us, Chris. It's been great to get to know you. And, you know, we really cannot wait to meet you in person whenever we can get back in the rink. That'll be <laughs> soon fun. hopefully.
0: I, I can't wait to meet everybody. And again, you have no idea how excited I am. My family's excited um, to be joining this great organization and um, just want to get back on the ice. Awesome, Chris. So, so do we. We know a lot of people that do.
1: So <laughs> thanks yeah. a lot, Chris. Thank you. Stay safe.
2: Awesome conversation. Really great to get to know Chris Taylor. But you both left me hanging and I didn't <laughs> appreciate it. What is a garbage plate? It sounds like something I would totally not be interested in, but I need to know.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you would, and not many people would at first, but if you just try it, oh, you fall in love with it. No, so it's a, it started probably in the early 90s. Uh, the best place out there is Nick Tahoe Hots. They're going to get a free prom- promo from me on Speak of the Devils, but it, it's bizarre. It really is. It You know, it's, it's first off, it's layered. So, you know, you start off with your macaroni salad uh, mixed in with home fries or fries, uh. Uh, you know baked beans you know mac and cheese there's a bunch of variations you kind of build your own uh you know and then it's always topped with you know either grilled hot dogs or burger you know fish they have fish too now apparently I didn't have that when I was a kid um onions and the specialty Rochester meat sauce it's like really thinly minced up almost like a chili but it's it's a hot sauce but it's kind of impacted with meat
2: sounds disgusting a lot of people, you know,
1: you look at it like, you know, fans at home, go ahead and Google garbage plates, Rochester, but it, it does look nasty. A lot of people just, you know, splatter it with ketchup and mustard. Some people mayo. I don't know why you would do that. That's, that's weird. But um, it's bizarre. It does look like trash. It's because it's all mixed together. Like Because it is. <laughs> but it's unbelievable. And it, it, I'll say this right now. If you had a few, you know, Social sparklers as an adult, and yeah, you know, it's after the bar. It's the perfect way to sop up the celebration. It's delicious, and uh, of course, we mentioned with them as well. Dinosaur Barbecue is a Rochester staple. The original being there, and
2: which I did not know until you brought it up. I had no idea about yeah, that. Yeah, it's so. it, it's
1: actually it's a, it's like a giant biker bar in Rochester. It's it's yes. huge and it's widely popular. And they do a lot of catering, and it's like the original. And you can smell the smoke from outside. It's 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 great.
2: Well, I would say that for those who obviously haven't watched this podcast, because it's a podcast, <laughs> it's on video, um, Chris Taylor's eyes lit up when you told him that there was a dino across the street Oh from yeah, the yeah. Center.
1: And <laughs> you know why I had to tell him was I had heard rumors that that the, the Rochester Americans going back years mm-hmm. would go to Dinosaur Barbecue. So I knew that he would at least be familiar with it. I didn't know he was that big of a fanatic. So that's pretty cool. But uh, we learned a lot about him and not just his affection for Rochester, um, you know, fatty foods.
2: (laughs) Yeah, his excitement is palpable. And I think it is so genuine, right? Like you can tell sometimes when someone's not being genuine. For him, I think this is just an opportunity that he's been waiting for for a really long time. And here it is. And the way the franchise has welcomed him before anyone has really actually been able to get together at all and have those, you know, gatherings where everyone does the meet and greet. He's really excited. And that I think really came through and that what more could you possibly ask for?
1: Yeah, and I think he also reaffirmed what you and I had been hearing from our sources and friends in the media, and also from fans messaging us as well uh, in the Buffalo and Rochester area. He's a good one. I mean, he's a smart coach. He's very eloquent. Uh, He's played before. He understands the game, and uh, he seems to make very strong uh, personal connections with players, fans, and media. I mean, which is which is good because, in my opinion, as a head head coach or or coach. you're a front door to the organization, uh, mm-hmm. similar with GMs. And I think yeah. the Devils have several very good front doors to their organization, uh, including Tom Fitzgerald, Lindy Ruff, Nazardine, uh, Recky, you know, Rogalski. These are guys you want to root for. They're, they're good people, and uh, they seem to be good coaches as well.
2: Now let's just get on the ice.
1: <laughs> I know, seriously.
2: <laughs> All of that means nothing. Enough talking. <laughs> No, we have to all, do everything yeah. safely. We have to do everything safely. But I guess it just like builds up to even more excitement when, you know, everything is ready to go and we're able to finally get on the ice. Um, yeah, it's, it's going to make all of this weight worthwhile.
1: Yeah. And I should say that as well. I mean, ultimately, you know, these guys can be nice guys, but it doesn't matter until they produce on the ice and, you know, they're setting themselves up for success. So let's let it play out. Pretty exciting. But anyway, for, uh, for Amanda Stein, I'm Chris Westcott. We're going to wrap up speak of the devil's podcast here. We thank all the devil's fans for listening. If you've missed any previous episodes, visit new jersey slash podcasts and have a great day.